Corteva AgroScience provides cutting-edge solutions for farmers worldwide. Learn more at Corteva.com. Today on Ag News Daily. So I, I applied for this job not really knowing what would come of it, and I was so, so excited when I got offered it. Listeners, July 12, 2023. Today's episode is brought to you by Corteva. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing. Delaney and Tanner here to bring you the latest headlines and a good conversation today. Going to start right off with weather. Delaney, we got quite a bit of rain here in central Iowa. We've been seeing a lot of Snapchats and Twitter posts well over two inches. Some areas much more than that. That severe weather was coming across eastern Nebraska, western Iowa, caught parts of northern Missouri this morning. These areas had already seen a little bit of rain in the evening hours. The severe thunderstorm warning will continue to push through uh, Iowa into the other I states. There were potential for 70 mile per hour winds. Hopefully we don't see any damage to mobile homes, roofs, or outbuildings like the National Weather Service was talking about. However, our friends that are further south are still in heat advisories. Uh, Western Missouri could see heat indexes as high as 110 degrees. Oklahoma could see values close to 115 this afternoon. So the North National Weather Service is asking them to take extra precautions when you spend time or work outside due to the extra heat. Yeah, we woke up to a lot of rain here, Tanner, and it made for a dreary morning this morning. Yes, it did. It was uh, very dark for a while. I think a lot of our listeners would be happy with an inch of rain and then uh, some more later, but we got what we got. We got what we got. That's a good way to put it. And we're recording here just at the midday following the release of today's WASD report, and we got what we got there too, Tanner. Absolutely. What's it look like? Well, it's a little bit of a mixed bag here for the markets as we take a look at the WASD report for today. This one was thankfully released on time after quite a few reports in the past have not, including last week's uh, or a couple weeks ago, acreage report, but no real big changes on the wheat balance sheet. Uh, We saw acres uh, kept fairly the same compared to last month. Um, The big changes here that we noted were Corn yields, which came in at a 177.5, that's lowered from the USDA June report, which came in at a 181. We also saw acres, planted acres and harvested acres for corn on this report increase just slightly. And on soybeans, we saw yields kept the same, which is at the high end of what the trade was expecting. So a little bit bearish there in the short term as the markets chew through that news. And as far as planted acreage goes, that came in lower on this month's report. So all in all, kind of a neutral report across the board, certainly going to chew through that noise here in the short term, Tanner, but I think it's just going to be a short term blip on the market radar. Yeah, I 
I kind of was trying to get a high level knowing we would talk about it today. And I think that is accurate. We also might see more than a short-term blip as far as the consumer price index goes, as inflationary pressures may now be a thing of the past. Goldman Sachs is warning that there could be other areas of the energy and food sector that investment firms are predicting a larger than expected drop in core inflation. For June, the monthly increase was just 0.2% and the annual increase is 4.9. These estimates fell below the consensus among economists. So now there could be a potential for disinflation. Looking ahead, the average monthly core for inflation is projected to remain in that 0.2 to 0.3 range in the next coming months, but Goldman Sachs forecasts the year over year to be 3.8 and only 3% by December 2024. What categories are they watching closely? Used cars, travel, and shelter. So we're talking about uh, airlines, cruises, and potentially fuel on the travel side of things. Cars, used vehicles, pretty self-explanatory. And then the overall shelter, meaning rent and home values, Delaney. So those could be some key things we'll be watching here at the next Fed meeting. Dana, we're also watching farmland prices. Here at mid-year, high-quality farmland is still inching higher across the 18 major corn and soybean producing states. Uh, we got some latest land report values on Tuesday that show single digit growth mid-year, but still seeing growth nonetheless. According to Farmers National Company, they've put together some recent surveys here looking at the average sales in most of the 18 states. And for 2023, of those 18 states, Tanner, I think pretty much every state has seen an increase in farmland prices of compared to 2023, comparing to 2022. In some of the most productive agricultural states, Illinois is clocking in at $16,000 per acre on average sales. Iowa coming in at $15,400. Kansas at $5,800. Kentucky at $7,000. Michigan at $8,500. And Minnesota at $10,000. Nebraska also saw a pretty big increase here, $12,000 per average acre of farmland. Ohio also had a big jump coming in at $11,000 compared to last year, they were at 9,800. So all in all, a lot of states, Tanner, are seeing major increases. Even the last three years, I think it's interesting to look at, still seeing the trend continue that farmland is pushing higher. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, auctioneers and realtors are happy with that as clients will continue to be, but those purchasing may not. We had a study from Purdue University, an ag safety and health program said that in 2022, the number of grain entrapments rose to its highest level in decades. They showed that the confined space-related injuries and fatalities showed a 40.7% increase since 2021. 83 incidents were reported. 42 of those were grain-related entrapments, which made up for 44.8% of the cases. This is the highest number reported in the last decade, not because every case gets reported. These are all estimates. Obviously, that's where percentages come into place. But in 2022, all types, including fatal and non-fatal, states that led the way were Iowa, Indiana, Minnesota, and Ohio. So certainly something that we are going to want to keep in mind. We had 83 cases, 24 unfortunately fatal, 59 non-fatal, 
that 59 non-fatal was the total number of cases in 2021 at 59. So a pretty big increase there, unfortunately, Delaney. But to roll into a quick next headline, the USDA is initiating an aid program to address farm lending discrimination. The article is not super clear as to how the discrimination has been judged, but those that feel like they've been discriminated against can apply through the USDA. Tom Vilsack announced that there will be funds set aside for those discriminated against before January 1st, 2021, and the funds can uh, be put together out of a $2.2 million, $2.2 billion pool to help assistance to those that felt discriminated. The assistance will be capped at 500,000 per person and the application process is open through October 31st. Okay, perfect. I reported a little bit on that the other day, Tanner, but it sounds like you had some additional details that were not yet released. So it sounds like- yep, finally, finally got deadlines at least, yes. that's correct. All right. Well, in some fun, upbeat news, Tanner, I saw this on Facebook yesterday, but Farm Her and Ranch Her has officially a new owner and CEO. We've had the Farm Her crew on the podcast quite a few times over the past couple of years. But for those of you unfamiliar, Farm Her was started a few years ago by Margie Geyer Allen Meese in 2013 when she left her corporate job to start originally just a small photography project and a blog to capture women working in agriculture. After a longtime partnership, Tanner Worth, RFD TV, the Cowboy Channel, the Cowgirl Channel, and Rural Radio 147, Farmher announced yesterday that uh, RFD TV will officially be purchasing and taking over as the new owner of Farmher and Rancher and has appointed Rachel Gosh Kohler, the CEO of Farmher. Rachel has a longtime history also working with RFD TV and has specifically helped work on the Farmher channels for the last couple of years. So it was a natural partnership there for RFD to acquire Farmher. Yeah, that seems like it'll be an interesting transition that succession's already been planned. So congratulations to the Farm Her team. We've got an announcement. Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, Dave Matthews, and Margot Price will lead the all-day music and food festival on the last day of summer focused for farmers and climate champions, the Farm Aid Festival. So 2023 is planned for September in Indiana. Tickets for Farm Aid 2023 planned for September 23rd at the Ruoff Music Center in Noblesville, Indiana, will go on sale this weekend. You can go to LiveNation.com to get your tickets. Farm Aid's mission is to build a vibrant family farm-centered system. That's a very difficult mission statement. Building a vibrant family farm-centered system of agriculture in America, the organization host the annual festival to raise funds to support family farmers and inspire those to choose family farm food. The festival will highlight the work of family farmers along with those stars just described. So Farm Aid will support the artists who contribute their performances each year. They over the past have raised more than $70 million to support these programs. Dave Matthews joined Farm Aid board in 2001. Margot Price, Price just joined in 2021. So it'll be interesting to see there as Willie, Neil, and John have all been apart since 1985. All right. Well, I think the last, I guess it's news. They, there's an article about it, but it's kind of an interesting story nonetheless. Uh, Tanner, have you ever heard of cluster corn? No, cluster corn. 
Yes, I hadn't either, but apparently a Kansas farmer is growing cluster corn or triple rows, Tanner. Uh, there are three rows of corn planted in a 19 inch cluster with nine and a half inch separating the outer rows from the center and then an additional 41 in between each trio. Uh, apparently he is growing 137 acres of cluster corn, John Smith is doing that and he's started uh this setup and he said the concept is solid he's trying it out see how it would work on his operation john smith is a pseudoname for those of you that maybe were thinking wow that's <laughs> what a unique coincidence that is uh the farmer didn't want to use his real name for the article he said he's still getting started and uh farmers find out what he's doing and they're either genuinely interested or they mock him so either way he wanted to keep his name anonymous for this uh, article but smith's farmland is pure pivot irrigated but in 2017 he installed drip and uh that's supposed to have a 25 year lifespan but he said he's all for trying new innovations and his latest innovation is this cluster corn tanner so it's a kind of a cool article on agweb if you want to check it out yeah, it'll be interesting to see what type of corn head he uses to harvest that right. unconventional rose. All I've got left are Russia-Ukraine headlines. G7 leaders unveiled joint declaration for support of Ukraine at the NATO summit. They look to show a substantial support aimed at bolstering the war-torn country's military capabilities. Joe Biden, who's meeting with President Zelensky today for face-to-face -face talks, acknowledges the alliance but did not invite Ukraine to join NATO during the summit. Zelensky praised the discussions. He also expressed frustrations that there's been no timetable announced for the membership. Russia, of course, warned the West about ramping up security guarantees for Ukraine. The Kremlin spokesman says it could lead to extremely negative circumstances. Ukraine is looking to deploy F-16 fighter jets. The foreign minister said so far no government has committed to providing Ukraine with these fighter jets, but they plan to include those as part of their defense system. So we'll continue to keep an eye on this, but the most alarming headline is U.S. Defense Secretary says that NATO is struggling to keep ammunition flowing to Ukraine. They will look and discover other ways to get ammunition to the war-torn nation as uh, huge amounts have been used already. They're looking to continue to keep those supplies coming. But that's what I've got for headlines today. All right. Well, I think the only other headline I have is markets, Tanner. And here at the midday following the report, we are seeing grains trade lower. But like I said, I think it'll be a short-term blip on the radar here uh, before we go to trading some bigger stories such as weather. September corn today down 19 and a quarter cent at 475 and a quarter. Dees down 19 cents out of the midday at 482 and three quarters. In the soybean pits, the August contract down 24 and a half cents at 1446. Nove down 31 at 1329. September hard red winter wheat today at down 23 and three quarter cents at 793 and a quarter. And as we look at the livestock markets today, they're actually trading to the upside. August live cattle up 77 and a half cents at 179.60. August feeder cattle up $3, 5 cents at 250.20. And August lean hogs up 70 cents today at 96.85. Tana, let's turn it over to today's interview conversation. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing. Today, listeners, we have us joining us, Kaylee Kleitch, who is currently an intern for the Corn Refiners Association located in Washington, D.C. Kaylee, can you, first of all, tell us what the Corn Refiners Association is, for those who may not know, as well as what you're doing in your internship this summer? Yeah. Hi, Jennifer, and hello, everybody. Um, so I am working with the Corn Refiners Association, uh, like you said. And I'm actually their environmental and food policy intern. Uh, they have four internship positions uh, actually throughout the year. I'm just their summer intern. And shameless plug here, we're looking for hires for the fall semester. So if you know anybody that's interested, send them my way. <laughs> but in my position, I really deal with, I mean, all things corn, but that's what everybody does. <laughs> So the Corn Refiners Association in itself is a trade organization. Uh, there's thousands of them out there, but the Corn Refiners specifically deals with the processing of corn products that is not ethanol. That falls into other trade associations uh, business, but everything from food to medicine to everyday objects are made out of corn. We actually have uh, these little corn pens in our office, and they're made from cornstarch, and supposedly the ink is also made uh, from soy, so that's pretty interesting. All right, so in my internship, uh, I'm working on a lot of summaries and overviews for different guidelines and reports that are released from everybody from the FDA to USDA and everything in between, it seems like. So just reviewing that and breaking it down into digestible information for not only the other people at the Corn Refiners Association, but also the member companies that we serve, and then in turn, uh, the producers that work with the member companies. So just that in itself has helped me learn quite a lot. Uh, like Jennifer had mentioned, uh, this internship is located in Washington, D.C., so as a small town Iowa girl, that is a night and day difference from my past 20 years, but it's, it's so much fun. I am learning so, so much. I'm meeting all sorts of amazing people, and really, it's just been a great few weeks um, of this internship. And you keep mentioning how much you've learned from your internship so far, so share some of your best corn facts with us that you think the listeners should know or that you just think they should know about the corn refiners association in general oh corn facts that's that's a fun one so corn is in everything it seems like from diapers to medicine to 
food and makeup and we can make plastic products out of it. It's just everything you look at is corn. (laughs) But beyond that, the Corn Refiners Association, I believe it plays an essential role. I didn't really have any experience with trade organizations. I recently graduated from Iowa State University with um, degrees in agricultural agricultural policy and international agriculture. Um, and my internship last year had been with Iowa State Extension Outreach. So I kind of had somewhat of an idea of what was happening over here in D.C., but really it's night and day difference from what you learn about to actually being over here. And obviously as an intern, I'm only just dipping my toes in the water and testing it out, but it's, it's really, really neat. They are an essential role. Trade groups overall, they play such an essential role to keeping not everybody because keeping everybody happy is impossible. (laughs) Keeping a lot of people happy um, and helping the markets do what they do. And like you mentioned, there's lots of different commodity groups and organizations to support these commodities. So how specifically does the Corn Refiners Association differ from similar corn support groups such as Iowa Corn? That is another great question. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't have a lot of experience with some of these other trade associations and commodity groups. So I'm not going to give you any specifics on how we differ. Well, since it's a national association versus like Iowa corn or Iowa soybean, we do a lot of national business and international. So right now, one of the other interns is focusing a lot on everything happening with Mexico in the corn trading world. Um, So just learning about that is very, very interesting. Obviously, other commodity groups do things along the same lines but we are focused on a different demographic for our member companies. Wow, Kaylee, it sounds like you have had a lot of really cool opportunities within this internship that you have had this summer and have learned so much as well. Aside from that, this is your first time away from home for a long period of time, I think I remember. And you are a pretty good distance, so it's not like you can just go home for the weekend if you want to. What advice would you give anyone wanting to get a job outside of their comfort zone or outside of where they live or even just an internship like you're doing um, for the summer or long term? That is yet again another great question. So I had known that I wanted to kind of get out to DC just to see what it was like. And I knew that I wanted to stay within agriculture. So I I applied for this job, not really knowing what would come of it. And I was so, so excited when I got offered it, but then it hit me. That's a 16 hour drive away. And for a lot of people, that's, that's nothing. That's just a drop in the bucket. But I was 19 years old when I accepted the job. And I had never really been outside of Iowa for more than a week for a school trip or something. When that kind of settled in, it was kind of nerve wracking. As a 19 year old, I was completely moving all by myself. I last time I was in DC was my sophomore year of high school for, you know, the week long DC trip that almost every high schooler in America takes. (laughs) Um, 
And so I really didn't know what in the world I was getting myself into. But I am so incredibly glad that I did it just because it's opened up such big doors for me. Being able to expose yourself to new circumstances, new people, new places, I think is such an essential part of growing as a person. Uh, If you don't allow yourself to see the world beyond your backyard, I mean, you're kind of stuck in the same spot your entire life, not just physically, but also mentally and metaphorically. And no shame to anybody who is a homebody, but definitely go and try it for a few weeks. Just see what's out there. One thing that has really helped me, because I'm not going to sugarcoat it, the first few weeks were really, really hard. I didn't know anybody here. Like I said, I was by myself. Um, It helped that the roommates that I found, they have a little dog, Lucy. She's a sweetheart. I'm an animal lover, so that was nice. (laughs) Um, Beyond Lucy being my buddy, uh, DC actually has some great intern networks because it seems like there's a million people in this city that are just like me in my same shoes. They came from anywhere in the country and they just kind of plopped themselves here not knowing what to expect. I will say that agriculture in itself has some amazing intern groups. I'm a part of a couple of different intern networks and they have events multiple times a week. They have both professional and personal events. So one day we might go tour um, the Capitol building or we might go listen to a presentation at another um, crop association, something like that. And then I've also gone to things after work hours where it's a bonfire in somebody's backyard or we just get to know about bunch of other people our age and that is so so beneficial because not only are you building your social group but these are the people that will someday be working in the ag scene in DC they're going to be making policies and working to advocate for agriculturalists across the country and getting to know those people early on in your career I believe has a great potential to affect you down the road. Definitely step outside of your comfort zone. It's not going to be comfy at first, but like I said, I think it's an essential part of being human. If everybody stayed cozy, we would all still be in our cribs in diapers because (laughs) if we didn't have anybody forcing us or we didn't force ourselves to step outside of our comfort zone, we just, we never would. That is some great words of advice from a very young person from also the sounds of it. I think we should take one step back a moment to look at your history of life um, before we take a minute to wrap this up, because I heard you say not only have you graduated from college with your bachelor degree, but you also were 19 when you accepted this position this summer. So that means you were really young when you graduated. What set you up to be able to do that? And what was it like graduating with a four-year degree at such a young age? (laughs) Um, People question me quite a lot when I do mention that I'm done with my undergrad. Um, And then usually in the same conversation, it comes up that, I'm 20. Um, 
I took a lot of classes in high school. I, I, I did work for it. it. I didn't just breeze through it. That's for sure. But just putting your mind to it and going through with it. I actually moved out to DC on my 20th birthday, but it was an interesting way to spend the day. My mom, she drove out with me just because 16 hours by yourself in a car can get lonely. And so uh, she gave me a little cosmic brownie with a unlit candle stuck in the top of it for my birthday. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was worth it. I wouldn't change it. My wallet is very happy. I didn't have to pay for a full four years. <laughs> um, but there are drawbacks because I only had two years. That means only one summer of internships. That means only two years of networking. Let's be honest, a majority of freshman year, most people really are still in their shell. They're not really putting themselves out there like they may want to. So I didn't necessarily get all those opportunities. I didn't set myself up to receive those opportunities that a four-year traditional student would get. Um, so that kind of factored into my decision to actually apply for a sustainable ag master's degree program this coming year. So if all goes well, uh, after my internship here in DC ends, I will be back in Ames in the fall to go to a couple more years of school. Incredible. You have a great story and I'm sure that you have enjoyed this path as much as you can and are looking forward to a great fall. Well, we just want to thank you so much again for taking time out of your day to join us today, Kaylee. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was nice talking to you. Well, there you go, Delaney. Two days left in the week. We'll be back, listeners. Don't go too far. We enjoy hearing from you, so hit us up on social media. But for today, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go. Thank you.